Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My guest today is Alison Cope. It has been 10 years since Alison lost her only son, Joshua Ribeiro, when he was stabbed outside a nightclub in Selyoke. He was just 18. Josh was known and loved by thousands as rapper Depsman, and Alison was overwhelmed by the outpouring of messages she received from across the world from people whose lives he had touched. Some mums might have crumbled under such devastating grief, but Alison rose up and began sharing her son's story in schools and prisons in a bid to become a light bulb moment for others considering carrying a weapon. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. And you really can't get much more inspiring than Alison. She has spent the last decade striving to empower thousands of young people and help them to feel safe on the streets. Her warmth, strength, energy and passion is truly remarkable. So let's get straight into talking to her now. Hi Alison, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. So I know this is a really poignant time for you. So for anyone who doesn't know your story, could you tell us a bit about what happened to your son? Yeah, so coming up to 10 years, um, I lost my only son, Joshua, to a knife attack. Um, he was attacked in Selyoke, Birmingham, a single stab wound, and he passed away on the 21st of September, 2013. And it's just such a... A devastating thing to go through. I mean, I imagine some mums might have just spent the rest of their lives bitterly grieving what happened, but you transformed it into something hugely positive and inspiring. How did you find the strength to do that? Um, it's a it's a strange one, really, because I know a lot of people look at me as being strong, but at, at the point that Joshua died. Um, it was such a unique situation because I wasn't just dealing with my own loss. I was dealing with the loss of many people around the UK because he was well known in the music industry. So I was kind of forced into a role of being Depp's man's mom. Um, and a lot of the skills that I'd learned with my son growing up just transferred over to all these fans, patience, support, you know, a uh, a supportive conversation and that kind of um you know made me become the person I was so I, I don't think I've ever grieved the loss of my son I don't think I've ever had a moment to grieve Josh so I appear as really strong but I've just been on autopilot from that moment really tell us a bit about that outpouring of grief because it was quite extraordinary wasn't it yeah um and it's it still is. Um, I'm always blown away daily by the messages, by the comments, by the response to the loss of Josh. Still to this day, I get messages all day, all night, 
from fans around the UK and people that still to this day really struggle with the loss of losing Josh. It was, and it still is extraordinary, just how many people he touched through his music and personally. Um, and it became my, you know, my job, my passion to just keep his name alive in the best way that I can, which is through my campaigning and through the work that I now do. So it, it was and it is still extraordinary how many people are affected by his death. So tell us a bit about the work that you do. You you started going into schools, started talking to the police. It's just amazing just the amount of energy that you seem to have to be able to pour into this. Tell us about all the different things that you do. There's just been so much. Um, and I'll be honest, I've forgotten half of it because there's been just so many things that I've done. All, all I've done is just kept going. Um, I think when you've got so much love for your child, you know, and any parent will understand that, it it brings out such a strength in you and that passion. And that's what is coming out. I, I adore my son. I did and I still do. And that love just comes out as strength. Um, I've spoken now you know, 1,300,000 young people since losing Josh. I'm commissioned by police forces all over the UK. I go into prisons, colleges, youth centres, speak to parents um, five days a week, every single day. Last week, six days a week. I don't stop um, because it's it's not just a passion, it's needed and so much more needs to be done. And I think my my angle on it is we must do all we can to prevent the need for bleed kits, the need for knife bins, which play a huge important role in society. But let's stop as many young people leaving their house with a knife rather than being reactive after they've been stabbed. So my passion and my goal is very much prevent a young person leaving the house with a weapon. And, you know, the love for Josh gets me up every single day, sharing his message and the impact that my work has and the response that people have to my work just gets me up every single day to keep going. And that's the key, isn't it? The impact of it is so powerful, I think, because you're sharing your own personal story. I know over the years you've told me about kids who have really woken up to the facts of what's what the truth is about not carrying a knife as a result of hearing what's happened to Josh and what's happened to you as a result of that. Do you think that's what really makes a difference, the fact that you're so willing to share your own story? I, I think so. And I think my son's story is so powerful. It speaks for itself. You know, I'm not just talking about a life lost, which obviously is so important. I'm talking about the life that was lived um, to really bring home the fact that that I haven't met anybody in prison that wanted to be there. I haven't met anybody that wants to be killed. And it's about bringing home the reality of life choices, not just knife crime, respect, manners, appreciation, showing love um, and resilience. So I think Joshua's amazing life story really brings home that regardless of difficulties, regardless of circumstances, there isn't a future if you want to have it, just go for it and don't be another person in prison with an excuse. Um, and I think showing Josh from a little boy to the point he died really opens people's eyes and makes them look and think, whoa, hang on a second. I have lost someone or I have experienced difficulty, but I can actually still really achieve. And do I really want to say goodbye to my family? 
And then the important part from that moment, that light bulb moment, is to support that young person in achieving their goals and achieving, you know, helping them be that young person that becomes a positive member of society. And then the rest of the work is just reminding a lot of young people in schools, primary, secondary, do not follow the fashion of social media, filming fights, running towards fights getting involved in online arguments because that is now proving incredibly, incredibly um, dangerous. So it's it's kind of developed over the years following the current trends. And I just try to keep up with what's going on to the best of my ability um, and just sharing that with the young people. What would be your advice to a parent who's worried that their child might be carrying a knife or that they're getting in with the wrong crowd? Um, I would say to any parent, first and foremost, try which is easier said than done, not to panic, not to freak out. Just take a deep breath and a step back and think, right, what is making you think that? Is your child showing signs um, that they're carrying a weapon, showing signs they're in with the wrong crowd? And I say to all parents, it's not just for you to deal with this. It's incredibly difficult being a parent and ex- you know, exceptionally difficult when that young person is a teenager um, because historically teenagers don't like to communicate with their parents always. Um, it's about trying to look at the signs and reaching out and getting support and guidance, schools, police forces, youth services. There's a lot of organisations now that can support families if they are concerned. And then people like myself going into the schools where the young people actually are most of the week, um, alternative provisions, colleges, and really bringing home that message. But any warning signs, please don't sit at home worrying reach out and get support and guidance and that hopefully will you know bring the help to your house it can be a a fight getting support and help especially with the amount of cuts that we've seen but help is there there's some amazing organizations in Birmingham and across the West Midlands just be brave enough to ask for help and if anyone's watching this they think I don't even know where to start you know they're welcome to contact me I can leave details with you Zoe um just just reach out and try and get help. Um, confronting that young person is, if you can, great. But if not, don't think, oh, it, all hope is lost. Just get the support that can try and engage with that young person and fight for your child. I imagine for some parents that's a worry because they don't, I should think they'd like to get help. But they don't want to get their child into trouble with the law. You know, it's it's a fine line, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, and I, I think we've we've moved on in a really positive way from that. Um, but I do respect and understand those fears. But, you know, the only time the police would really get involved if a weapon was actually found on the young person, if that knife was used. And, you know, of course, that's when the police should get involved. But um, there's many organisations that will get involved before it gets to the stage of the police so I think we've got a very, you know, huge window of opportunity um, for parents to actually get support rather than judgment, rather than, you know, punishment. It is about support. And I think we've really changed our mindset in the West Midlands that we need to support these young people and support these families. Um, and sometimes if it is an extreme situation, a young person does have a knife I know this is a horrendous and difficult thing to imagine, but it's better that your child gets into trouble through probation and through the police than potentially getting a life sentence if that knife was used. Yes, true. 
And what about for a young person themselves? What about if they are worried about their safety or finding it difficult to distance themselves from bad influences? I think that's a real, the biggest issue we have at the moment is the perception. Um, Every single time I go into a primary school, every single time I go into a secondary school, I have never, ever, ever heard the entire year group or the entire class say we feel safe what I'm actually hearing on a daily basis is fear and I think you know media certain channels uh you know that young people can access daily are really having a detrimental impact on the way young people view the world they're scared and they think that more people carry a knife than they do we know the number one reason for carrying a knife in this country is fear And all I would say to any parent is ask your child that question. And it's a horrible question to have to ask. Ask that young person, what percentage of others do you think carry a knife? If your child says 50, 40, 60%, you know they're scared of the world. And all we need to do is offer reassurance. Um, Once we know what our children think, we can actually get them the support and reassurance. So there will be many, many children in Birmingham who are frightened but if the parents professionals teachers ask the child that question they'll know Um, and then we know to support our children if somebody found out their child was being bullied on the bus to school every day that parent would act on that probably immediately um, because a child is more likely to tell a parent about that so if we take the responsibility and ask our children What's your perception of knife crime in Birmingham? What do you think? That's not a scary question. It's a very easy question to ask. And the answer will determine whether or not our child is scared. Once we have that information, we now know that we need to do something. Something is probably going to be reassurance. But if it is the case that that young person then says, well, when I am getting a bus, there's kids that are bullying, scary, intimidating. When I have to walk to school through an alleyway, there's somebody I think has got a knife then we know we need to step up our action, speak to the local police, council, schools, anybody that will listen to make sure that that young person doesn't leave the house scared. If a young person is involved with the wrong crowd, whether they're telling us or it's obvious, there are organisations that can step in, mentor that young person, help that young person, support that young person. The key is to have a conversation and act on that conversation. Yeah, so it's just really about keeping the communications open um, so that everyone can talk about it. So I know one of the most amazing things that you've done is the Joshua Ribeiro Achievement Awards. Tell us a little bit about that, how they started and what makes them so unique. And you can see by the smile on my face, it is, you know, there's, there's very little things since losing Josh that bring me genuine happiness. And I know that's an incredibly sad thing to say, but it's the truth, but this does. Um, so the Josh Beer Achievement Awards was set up a number of years ago because I was meeting a lot of young people who had faced some very difficult things in their life. And because of their reaction to those difficulties, their behaviour had deteriorated to the point they'd lost their place in mainstream school. Um, I said to one of the students many years ago, oh, what are you wearing to your prom? A prom is a massive thing for young people now. But she wasn't allowed to go to her school prom because of being excluded, even though she turned it around, she'd got her GCSEs. She was an amazing young lady. 
then I started speaking to more young people in alternative provisions and I thought well hang on a minute I understand why they lost their place at school but are we really going to write them off so quickly so I set up the awards evening to celebrate their achievements their GCSEs their positive attitudes you know just the huge turnaround for them um what started as an idea became reality that reality has now grown and grown and it's something I'm incredibly proud of. We we need to start writing off young people, support them, celebrate them and show them that hard work does pay off. So it's just a huge celebration um, and it's a reflection of my son, fun, energetic, you know, confetti, food, just music. It's just a pure celebration of young people, their families, the teachers, communities and everybody coming together as one and letting these young people know that you know we all make mistakes but that mistake doesn't define your future and the next one is the 3rd of February next year and I can't wait so really proud of it. Oh it's always an amazing emotive event I know it's just so so powerful and you're right these are the kids that need celebrating more than anyone because the the adversities they've overcome is just incredible so without naming any names, yeah. can you tell us about some of the award winners and their stories? Because I think some of them are so moving. Oh, I, I just adore them. I love, I just love it. But, you know, a couple, well, there's more than a couple that stand out, but we've had uh, one young lady who um, both her parents passed away before she was the age of 10 and she faced a situation because she had no family in this country of being put into the care system. Her head teacher actually um, became her carer and legal guardian. And that young lady is so positive and really strives to be the best person she can be. But what a horrendous thing for that young lady to have faced. I've had uh, a young man that was you know, transgender and he was severely bullied at school, beaten, really abused by some family members and he went to an alternative provision. They allowed him to be who he was, supported him and he achieved some amazing things. He's at college. Um, And then another young man who, very autistic, found life very hard, um, was very reactive. You know, I, I did a, a, a speech at his school and he actually chose to go out and knit these little key rings and go door to door selling them for me for the awards night, presenting me with £200. But this is a young man who doesn't speak to people, who is very withdrawn. The fact that he did that to me, that £200 was like I'd won the lottery. That meant everything to me. And he became a special recognition winner. And he got up on stage and everyone was just crying because the bravery he showed on that evening to actually stand up in front of an audience and accept that praise. It it makes me really emotional. That's why I do it. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. Amazing. Fantastic stories. So how has your work changed over the years? It's, um, so my work, it's got kind of two strands. One is to change young people's mindsets and the other is to change those in power um, to really make them see that we need to prioritise this. So I've just battled on really. Um, The trends have changed. Social media is playing a huge role in the negativity we're seeing. So I've updated my work 
to align with the current trends, you know, wearing balaclavas, pre-arranged fights, filming fights. It's just developed with the times, really. And um, I'm commissioned by many police forces, which is an honour, you know, Manchester, Stafford. I, I travel all around the UK now because they're starting to realise that we need to give the young people a light bulb moment before we do all the supportive work. So I'm that light bulb moment. Um, and it's just about working together. And I think my persistence in trying to get that message across is now starting to trickle through to those that realise that, hang on a minute, we've had 10 years of this and all that we've seen is knife grime go through the roof. So what we've tried to do hasn't worked as much as we've wanted it to. Let's really start to see what does have an impact. And the feedback and response from the work has shown people that we need to be really bringing that message home before we then do all the supportive work so that's just got busier and busier um when I first started I was maybe doing one session a month I'm now doing 20 a week every week so there's a need gosh that's incredible and I think with rising knife crime in the UK and particularly in Birmingham, what, what do you think par- parents or families in general need to be aware of? In most cases, the perception, because a lot of young people think Birmingham is horrendous, scary, they're going to get stabbed for no reason. But when you actually look at the stabbings that we're seeing, a total stranger attack is still incredibly rare. It's about speak to our children, ask them what they think. Do they feel safe? And if a child says, well, no, I don't, then what are we going to do about it? What, what, you know, what can we do? We can find out what's scaring them and act on it. And it is about, you know, knocking those doors of the council, the police. And if more parents come together and say, hang on, we're not okay about this. Our children do not feel safe. The more voices, the more power. So again, speak to your children. And if you are finding that your children feel scared living in Birmingham, find out why and then unite and try and get those in power to do a better job of making areas feel safe. Um, You know, local police um, don't want another young person stabbed on the street. So they're a very good, you know, support mechanism in areas that you know things are going on. A lot of people can't move out of areas they don't feel safe, so it's very, very difficult. But the council, the police, youth organisations just keep banging down those doors and fight for your young people to the point where they do feel safer in Birmingham. Birmingham, you know, you can walk the streets in Birmingham and there'll be no issues. The Commonwealth Games really highlighted what an amazing city Birmingham is, but the perception of Birmingham is incredibly negative. So we just need to start fighting that um, professionally, calmly, and make sure, you know, the most important thing is that our young people feel safe. And if they are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, if they are involved in things they shouldn't be involved in, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that's part of life. But let's make sure we do everything we can to support that young person and try and show them there is a better way to be. And I think as a parent, as long as we are doing our best, whatever that means, whether it's our children are running around, not listening, whether they are listening, as long as we do our best, we can't look back with regret. And as Joshua's mum, many things went wrong. There are many things I look, look back on and think, what on earth was going on? But I always did my best. I still do. And that has been my saving grace that I can every day think, well, every day I do my best. Every day I did do my best. The ultimate thing happened, which was losing my son, 
but I always tried to be the best mom that I could be. And I still try my best today. So, you know, that's what makes me still get up every day and hold my head up high and keep going. How does it feel 10 years on? Does it, I don't, I can't imagine it ever gets any easier. You know, like this this week, the last few weeks building up to it have felt so surreal because it's like, how? You, you have this real overwhelming, confused feeling as if how? Where has 10 years gone? How How have I lived 10 years without him? And then your mind goes back to that day, to that moment, to everything that happened after. And you just look and think, first and foremost, how is he never coming back? And then you think, wow, how have I got to this point? And I think one hour leads to two hours, two hours leads to a day. And here we are 10 years later. And on one hand, I'm incredibly proud of what I've achieved, but the underlying break in my heart has never, ever gone away. It's never eased. I've just learned to stand strong with that break in my heart. And I think that's what comes across. But yeah, I can't believe it's been 10 years. I, re- I It just doesn't feel real to me. Um, I'll spend this week reflecting, getting through it to the best of my ability. I'll probably cry an awful lot. I'll probably just feel incredibly sad. And then the anniversary will come, which is on Thursday. I'll get back up on Friday. And then come Monday, I'll be back to Alice and Cope taking on the world. So I try and prioritise my grief for my little boy and then kind of like put it in its little category and then move forward for other people's children. I love the way that everything you've ever done has always come from a place of love. I know that the last messages that you and Josh had were of love, weren't they? Yeah, I, I was very lucky that Joshua, Joshua, normal teenager, you know, teenagers don't always tend to be like, oh, I adore you, I love you, I appreciate you. But Joshua matured very early on, which I'm so grateful for because he matured when he was about 15, 16 to the point of being able to say, I love you, I appreciate you, thank you for everything, mum. So he was then able to really, really show me so much love um, before he left this world. So I'm incredibly lucky that I was able to have those messages. I love you, mom. Thank you for everything. You're my world. And that gives me a lot of comfort that when he walked out this door, which is just behind me, and I never, ever saw him again, his last words were, I love you. I'm, I'm blessed in many ways that I was able to have that from my son before he went. Yes, definitely. What changes would you like to see the the government and the police bringing to the streets? I just wish they'd listen. Um, We've got such a consistent problem now, but a very inconsistent approach. And there are, and I won't name names, there are people in power who will stand in front of a camera and say, we are doing everything we can within Birmingham, within the West Midlands. But statistically... Obviously, that's not correct. If that is your best effort, that we have one of the highest knife crime rates in the country, I think you should resign. I think you should bow your head in shame and walk away and allow someone else to come in and do a better job because what you're saying versus what we're seeing, they don't add up. We need a consistent approach. What has changed is it's no longer just gang members, drug dealers. We are seeing many teenagers get involved in very dangerous situations because a prearranged fight, an online argument, filming a fight, if one of the young people come into that fight, 
also believes 60% carry a knife, then all of a sudden that is why we are seeing so many headlines of a young person stabbed outside a school, down shops, down the park. And that very much leads from the influences of social media. Every single young person in Birmingham has a mobile phone, which means every single young person needs some level of education around those dangers. We are not seeing every single young person educated in Birmingham, across the West Midlands. There's some very small pockets of education, but if you've got 100 schools and you're only educating 10 of them, that leaves a very open, dangerous situation for everybody else. So I would love to see a consistent approach to make sure that all the amazing people in Birmingham that are doing great work work together and make sure we have a blanket approach to every single young person in an age-appropriate way. This is about scaring, it's about reassuring, education, positivity. When are we going to see that? Who knows? I wish the government would bring this in as compulsory within education so schools receive the support they need to implement this. Um, And then a consistent supportive approach. If you know a 1,000 children in a school um, just need reassurance and you're left with five that need intensive support, that that intensive support is there. You know, the young man who killed Joshua had no previous convictions, and I believe that if he'd have been educated in school, he might have realised that that choice to carry a knife was a choice that was not only, only going to destroy Josh, it was going to destroy himself. And that's why I firmly believe the work around prevention is just so important. Bleed kits and knife bins are reactive. And like I said, there's a role for them but I want to see less young people leave their house with a weapon because they're scared and they feel they need to protect themselves. So until, you know, the PCC, the MPs, the council really accept that they need to have a different approach, I don't think we're going to see a huge dramatic decrease in knife crime in Birmingham until the people in power either change roles or change mindsets. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's just so important, isn't it, to empower children through education. So we have a series of questions that we ask all of our guests. So I'd like to ask you if that's okay. So what are two things you would tell your 18-year-old self if you had the chance? I'm very much in the mindset that that I try not to look back. In You know, it'd be fantastic if I could be like, come on, Alison, just focus on education, do this, do this, do that. But unfortunately, I can't do that. But what I would say is, Alison, um, as you grow up, you will still have that fire, that passion, that resilience and determination. Don't ever lose it. Don't ever allow the pain you're going to face harden your heart. Always love, always show love and just don't ever, ever give up. So, you know, for me, it's slightly different. But I would just say to my 18-year-old self, don't ever lose the fire that you have, Alison, for life. And what are three things that you love to do every day? What gives you a great start and routine to the day? Um, I'd love to come out with some amazing positive response to that, Zoe. But the reality is I just get up every day and just (laughs) do the best I can. What I try to do, and it's still very much try, is focus on me a bit more. I'm not very good at focusing on Alison. I'm very good at being Joshua's mom. I'm very good at being Alison Cope, the campaigner. but Alison the grieving mum that's been left behind in all of this is just trying her best 
to find a bit of time and space for her to start building my new life moving forward. And I, I'm I'm getting better. That's all I can say. This week, I'm taking myself away for a few days, focusing on me. So, you know, I'm proud of that. I've, I'm getting better. And as long as I'm trying to be better than every day, I think, right, I've done a good job today. I've done my best. And I know that as time goes by, um, I'll, I'll get better and better at focusing on me. It's just taking a very long time to do that. Um, so every day I try and that's, that's what makes me proud that every day I don't give up. And thank goodness you don't. You can read more about Alison on the Birmingham Live website and on Rummy Mummy's Facebook page. Find out more about her tireless work and get in touch with Alison through her website, alisoncope.com. Rummy Mummies is a laudable production which you can download or stream on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Please share this episode with anyone who may find it useful. You can also follow Brummy Mummies on social media and sign up to our free newsletter. See you next time and take care.